Hey Coconuts, welcome back to TFC's weekly market updates where we scout the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. For our first story, is Elon Musk wasting $23 billion? For our second story, Johnson & Johnson has just had its earnings call, but they're not forecasting one product line. And lastly, we talk a little bit on macro with Japanese USD fluctuations, as well as a little bit on China. Stay tuned. Hey, Coconuts. Welcome back to Weekly Market Updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson. Jefferson. Welcome to a new week. Yeah. Hey, You're Jeff back. is back. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> See, like, go, go on another cruise. Hey, no, no, no cruise this time. Uh, work cruise, maybe. Uh, not, not a cruise. Uh, well, sales uh, kick off. Uh, <laughs> work cruise all. I, I, think, I think those days are long gone. Uh. Yeah, man. Yeah. I remember last time, every quarter you get to travel, got some regional retreat, some overseas yeah. training. <laughs> now, now it's just uh, everybody down in on Zoom. <laughs> yes, yes. Turns out they're saving a lot of money. Uh, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why. And, and not spending on us. Terrible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe good for the balance sheet. Uh, we never know. Yeah, not for our pockets. I'm, uh. I'm not a shareholder. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't pockets, come to my pockets. Yes. I, I don't care. I need it to come into my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome. Coconuts, we have got a couple of things for you this week. As promised, we were going to talk about Elon Musk, so we are going to start with that. <laughs> Again, we're going to talk a little bit about J&J. They had a um, earnings call. I think it was early today or early yesterday. Uh, so that's awesome. And last but not least, we have Jefferson in town. He's going to talk through a little bit on JPY in Asia and a little bit on China macro. Anthony, why don't you get started, right? What's our first story? Uh, Elon Musk. Right. Um, favorite topic of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, you, you can't run away from him, right? <laughs> Tesla, Solar City, well, whatever. You just cannot Space escape X. Elon Musk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, is he throwing $33 billion away? I don't know, right? But, I mean, look, we, we have talked about him in brief and, and in a bit of detail last two weeks, right? We talked about him get you know become, buying a nine percent stake, whether he's passive or active, you know, going onto the board directors and you turning and saying that you know he doesn't want to be on it anymore and, and well yeah. that that was two weeks the last two weeks. And and this week or what happened the past week was that he actually said, Oh, you know, I'm gonna make a public offer, I'm gonna acquire the whole of Twitter at fifty fourth per year share. Um, it's it's the best and final offer. I don't want to play games. I don't want to negotiate. This is it. Take it or leave it. Right? Um, that the Twitter bot, the, the Twitter bot was like, okay, um, I'll consult my advisors. And and two days later, they, they erected what's called poison pill defense, um, which effectively is a defense against like hostile takeovers, like like or unwarranted unwanted takeovers, like what Musk wants to do. Right, mm. so we, I think we are gearing up for uh, well, more mask in the headlines, which is I guess what he, he ultimately really wants, and and yeah, it, it's it's going to be a long ride. I think I, I don't think it, it goes away that quickly, um, and of course once I say that, you know, there will be news that Elon Musk has sold like, his nine percent stake and and left and threw his toys out of pram and left. So you never know, <laughs> <laughs> like a spoiled child. That's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You, you, it's hard to escape that feeling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man! So t- tell us a bit deeper. Why? Why is he doing this? Why? Why is he buying Twitter? Why does Elon Musk do anything for shits and giggles, right? <laughs> 
Hey, why does he call someone a pedophile? No, nobody knows. So wait, what? Yeah. Wait, who? I didn't. I didn't get the news. What? Who? Oh yeah. So so you recall? I think two years back that there were like you know this bunch of Thai boys stuck in a cave and and this white man that was a submersible yeah. like submarine and and rescue part of rescue. He called that guy a pedophile. And got sued for defamation. Oh yeah, the 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 Thai yes, the cave thing. Jeez. <laughs> yes. Um. I mean, look, you know, he he's in the news every week. So so I I'm quite surprised we we actually haven't we haven't become an Elon Elon Marshall until like quite recently, which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I think you know, well, I mean, okay, let let's take him at face value, right? Pretend he's you know a serious person. Um. He's saying yep. that look, you know, pretend he's a serious person. <laughs> or, or, or pretend that he has reasons that we understand. He, he's too high and mighty. I don't understand, right? I'm a mere mortal. <laughs> um, so you know, he he says that he wants to. Yeah, Twitter is a de facto, you know, town square. He wants we want free speech. We want openness. So I'm going to buy it and I'm going to make it open. Right and and you know I'm going to open up my algorithm so so everybody knows how to game the system I guess I I don't know how that allows free speech I'm not going to do any censorship not going to do any moderation which again isn't a very practical strategy because you'll get sued to like high heavens but you know that that's what he says he wants to do right so um good for him I I, I don't know. Um, how how it will actually work, or what he's actually trying to achieve. I mean, it it could very well be that he buys it over and he says, I, I don't like ads. It's just going to be a subscription based service, and then effectively you have pay to play, right? You you have to subscribe in order to use Twitter, and that's no longer a public square. That's a private square. By very definition, yes. that's a private square. So, you know, it it's it, it's going to be. I mean, the takeover battle will be interesting, and if he actually wins, what what he does with Twitter um, will be very interesting. Um, not not great for me as a shareholder, but you know what can you do? <laughs> well, I think that's that's a question that's a question that I have, right? Um, you know, he's he's bought Tesla before, and we take him seriously again, right? Yeah. We take him seriously. He's bought Tesla at at its low of lows, and and he's he's taken that higher, right? Mm-hmm. So, and he and he mentioned, I think that you know, I'm going to unlock the potential of Twitter and and stuff like that, and he gives his usual marketing speech. Yeah. So is there a real possibility that he could do something like that? And actually, you know, you as a shareholder, Anthony, would be reaping the rewards as Tesla shareholders did. Well, one is he wants to privatize it, right? So no, I would be bought out and, and I wouldn't reap whatever rewards he gets. Um, two, I think, you know, I mean, I, I'm a bit derogatory, but he, he is a brilliant marketer, right? Um, and he's a mm. good engineer. I think these are undoubtedly his strengths. Um, whether or not he's a good manager, I think it depends on personal style. Uh, again, good communicator, um, good leader, all, all, all that kind of you know, soft stuff, I think it depends on personal style. Right, but but he has you know undoubtedly achieved success. I think what is different here is that you know you look at the the technical accomplishments of SpaceX. You look at how well he did at Tesla. Not so much, not so much boring company. Not so much um, Solar City. Right, those those are kind of still you know maybe in the earlier stages maybe not really succeeding. But you know he has had success stories. But these are really you know real world engineering problems that he has solved. Right, or he has yeah. pushed people to solve. Right, moderation of an online space is completely different. You know, and, and I don't mm. know how. I mean, do do you think like he he's some sort of you know quasi philosopher that that knows social people and and knows human nature well enough to say that I'm going to make this platform fantastic? 
right? Mm-hmm. I think no. that that is a question mark, right? That it's just a completely different you know type of, of business that he has to kind of run, and yeah, I mean it, it it's possible. Um, he's definitely a smart guy, so it's possible. But you know, I I mean, I, if I, if I were to bet, I would just bet the under, right? And I'll say that he would fail. Mm. Got it. He's an interesting guy, right? For sure. Like the fact that he, he <laughs> interesting, wah, so nice. Uh. Yeah, I use the word interesting because, like, um, it it brought out the more people that want to buy Twitter, right? Now you think about it, it's like mm. Apollo Group is also trying to bid for it. Like, how how many people mm. are actually thinking of buying Twitter before Elon Musk actually did this whole, uh, you know, like like takeover or like or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's 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 just yeah, yeah. plain interesting why a platform like Twitter would uh like why why would Apollo group want to buy a platform like Twitter? Like for what? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, um, I can't imagine a P buyout, you know, it's 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 gonna be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I have no idea why they they are keen to I mean, well they are they they are definitely keen to help uh finance a bit on for Twitter, mm. right? But the whole point is that mm. Like for who? who? Who's the one that's going to be... Who are they like helping to beat for in that sense, you know? I'm pretty sure it's not Elon Musk or... Um, like definitely not any of the stakeholders as well. If not, the poison pill thing wouldn't have happened. And at the end of the day, like having to buy... Like like you say, right? If Elon Musk actually buy Twitter and make it a public square, then you're gonna see like people like Trump coming back again, and <laughs> there's gonna be a lot more noise. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crypto yeah. Twitter is gonna get worse, man. Yeah, you you can't beat anything <laughs> anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so like you're gonna have more than just crypto Twitter for sure. You're gonna have a lot more yeah. than just that. Like maybe. Twitter, like political Twitter and whatever, <laughs> everything we want to talk uh, talk about uh, on a day to day basis will just be there. Yeah, maybe our podcast will also be there soon. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, I have been trying to get um, ready to, to do it on to the spaces rather than um, Riverside, but apparently all the quality nice. not good. So yes. Look at this yeah. guy yeah. wanting his shareholder value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. my own book. <laughs> But look, Elon Musk is fantastic, right? Um, I mean, he, he he has so many followers and they are so ardent and, and you know, they are such strong believers in, in him. It's amazing. Like, like the... Like, I don't know. I was reading Twitter. Um, you know, nice. Which was is a decent platform. And yeah, there's just so much news about, you know, oh, how the, the, the board is preaching its fiduciary duty and how, you know, this is all just terrible and this is a conspiracy theory to, you know, um, deny Elon Musk and, and to hide something from that, that mainstream media is trying to do. Right? I mean, it is it's just... It is insane. I, I don't know. Don't you so think that it's scary it? if he if he actually buys Twitter? Yeah. Well, like, I think people just don't use it, lah. No, I mean, I'm pretty sure people will still use it for sure. Um, mm. and like he, like I mean, I, I I I listened to the TED conference that he did on Thursday, right? And one of the things he suggested was yep. um the move was vital to a healthy democracy like the US, but isn't it sort of like him trying to be the world government in some sense. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. just scary. No, yeah. It, the, the, the scary part is, you know, it, it's not a public company, right? And it's like regulated and, and you know, that there's all these things about public disclosures and all that. And now what he's essentially trying to do is to take it private as the world's richest man. Like, 
like taking uh, zooming out that is the scary part because then you have you know in private hands it it's somebody who who knows how to use this and ability to to control and to shape policies of, of how things things are done right I, i'm surprised you're talking about this like political stuff because Reggie's not here but great <laughs> i guess we're all just in the mood for that this week um, yeah so you know i i don't see it as i don't see his ownership as being in the public good Right. Well, what's a public good is not making it public and not making it private. So, you know, it, yeah. it's going to be difficult, I think. But if he's going to pay me $69 a share, fine, you go ahead. I'll just not use Twitter anymore. It's okay. <laughs> Very realistic man so right I, there. <laughs> of course, yeah, like, I just I think I'll take my, I'll take my hands. <laughs> yeah, I'll take 69, my hands. sorry, I thought it was 54. Yeah, so it's like if he asks offer to 69, I'll, I'll take oh, it and, you know, he can do whatever he wants. I don't care. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we can't move Got to the, the Trump social network. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, okay, so this this poison pill thing, right, Anthony, it's not illegal, right? So it's something that they yeah. can do and exercise within their rights. Yeah. So now we will just go through, like, an effective long-drawn process on, on who's effectively going to take over, if at all. Yeah, I think what... Well, a poison pill is is kind of like a dilution, right? Right. So, so essentially, what it is is if anybody goes above the the threshold, which in this case is fifteen percent, the the board of directors can choose to issue more shares to everybody except that person, right? And then they can give you shares effectively for free. So, you no, know, he owns fifteen percent, and and you you own eighty five. Mm. Or, or like ten people own eighty five, they can double the eighty five and and make him seven and make the fifteen percent share of the seven point five again. And essentially, like just printing shares, are like fat print money, they they print shares, right? Got and it, and it's it. free, and and that just means that you never get control because you buy more and, and you get to fifteen again and deal done issue again, right? So it's it's I I don't think it's meant to really stop a takeover. It's really meant for. To, to bring people to the table and, and negotiate directly with the board instead of like trying to play park, you know, go around, try to like, you know, sun, I was going to say sun fong tian huo, but like fan the flames, right? And, yeah, yeah, and, course, yeah. and, and change public opinion, right? That, that, that's all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, like for sure, it just it just means that you know Elon has to be clear with what he's trying to do with Twitter and um, what what they call it, like sunset provisions as well, right? On top of the yeah. justification, so it, it, I mean, it all makes sense in this. It, like, if you think about it, like in the past. Uh, when was it? I think 2012. Uh, Netflix did that pretty much the same thing when uh, Carl mm-hmm. Acar wanted to acquire like 10% of Netflix, right? So, yep. uh, yeah, it was exact same thing that basically happened. And Twitter, Twitter is just a very interesting thing to me because it's it's a space where people can uh, voice opinions and what's not, right? Um, very little. How do I put it? There's very very little monetary gains from it in that sense but like what you do with it can be a lot more powerful in that sense on an intangible uh, level level yeah yeah. so I think it's I think it's scary yeah if if you if you just empower one guy to to, to have this platform yeah and one guy to control everything exactly yeah (coughs) one ring to rule them all (laughs) wrong wrong show bro <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
man. So I, I have a strange feeling we're going to be talking about him week on week. We might be renaming let, let, this to week, <laughs> Weekly Musk Show. <laughs> cool. All right. Let's move on to our next story. All right. So J&J had its guidance. Yes. A little bit of J&J. They beat estimate in terms of per share, but actually their revenue came in slightly below forecast, right? So just to let you know, for Q1 results, their revenue came in at $23.4 billion. I think it was supposed to be $26 billion. Um, but it's still a 5% increase from last year. So last year Q1, last FYQ1. So I think that's, that's showing a little bit of growth there. But one thing that I wanted to point out today in the market updates was the fact that they stopped providing a COVID-19 vaccine relevance, oh. a re- revenue guidance, okay. right? Uh, due to demand uncertainty and supply surplus. So a couple of things they mentioned was that, of course, they were producing and, and it led to a very, very good Q1 for JNJ. Uh, sorry, 2021 mm-hmm. for, Q- for JNJ. But then realize now there's a ton of vaccines that has not been used and is effectively supply. But at the same time, we are not going really for the fourth dose or the, for the fifth dose oh, or for they, the sixth they, they dose. They have failed in, in that kind of... Uh, I, I think so, yeah. Well, the side effects from the booster alone, and I know that Jefferson, Anthony, and myself have felt it, right, with the booster. Yeah. It was worse than actually getting COVID for me, to be honest. <laughs> I can't imagine... I can't imagine getting a fourth dose. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they need to give um, a one-week MC for each dose. I'm not going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think that's one thing for, for coconuts out there to to you know learn and, and listen. If that J and J is already not looking at this COVID revenue as a viable option in twenty twenty two, if you do still have stocks and you got them for COVID, right? As, as you know, some of us did in, in twenty twenty one, maybe time to wind down. Right. So just be aware. Uh one thing though is that J and J is gonna provide a six point six quarterly dividend. Uh, 6.6% quarterly dividend, right? Because 2021 was such a good year. So I think that's one thing to note. Um, I won't dive too much into how they run because they've had multiple spin-offs uh, and so on and so forth. And we'll, we'll uh, yeah, <laughs> and we try and stay away company. from how they operate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I think for, for me, for, for me, the biggest takeaway is the fact that, you know, if they are themselves winding down COVID revenue, we should too as well. Yeah. Anthony, Jeff, any quick thoughts there? No, no, I think you, are, you, you, you make a lot of sense. I, and I was reading a couple of other pharmaceutical companies also moving away from uh, COVID vaccines or COVID testing kits and what's not, right? So they are looking at... Um, actually, they are looking into using like the uh, R, uh, RNA technology to, to, to do like um, for cancer research and what's not as well. So yeah, I guess some good came out of uh, of of that right, yeah. Expedite the yeah. research in the, uh, on that on the forefront as well, yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe that that's a bit of the the biotech play, right? You know, you look at the the people who who did M- mRNA vaccines well this time, and and you you kind of hope that they have an age in in research and all that because you know, they they were first this race, right? Why why can't they be first in, in the subsequent races? Mm-hmm. And and then you bet on them. So uh, maybe it's not that. Well, I think it depends on what what type of COVID winner or COVID pharma winner you're talking about. But maybe it's not the end yet. Right? It, it's just. It's just the well, we, we think of COVID as a seasonal effect over two years, and and that's gone. But there could be you know longer term growth drivers that that help the company move along. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah. yeah so, 
so so don't discount them too much. Um, yes, which is my which is my self consolation for Rainbow Stone. <laughs> right. What a way to sleep in! I have no, I yes, know, yes, dude. I, I have no, I have no comment guys, to that. On, yeah, I have no, I have no comment to this. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to say. As well. <laughs> that awkward silence just now that we all yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, awesome. All right, let's move on to Asia. Jefferson, what's the macro news this week in Asia? Um, so I think one of the biggest news is the yen. Um, so I think that if you if you read enough financial news, you realize that yen extended its longest streak, uh, longest losing streak in at least half a century as traders ignore government warnings about the speed of the currency decline. Um, so instead of having to focus on uh, the widening gap between the Japanese and the US interest rates, you, you see traders just putting on bets uh, to essentially speed up the currency decline. Yep, and Japan isn't happy about it. So you you have Garuda, the BOJ governor, um, trying to face a balancing act as he tries to ensure that cracks don't emerge between the government and the central banks uh, on the need to continue with monetary stimulus, especially at this time, right, when uh, across the world, all the developed markets basically uh, start to unwind a little bit on the uh, monetary stimulus, some more than others. Um, and mm. Japan is also doing the same thing. So the last thing you want is for the central bank to go back to government and say, hey, you know, we need fiscal stimulus again. Yeah, and it's not going to be pretty for everybody. Yeah, but uh, I think this whole thing basically just brought back a little bit of thought uh, to to where the Swiss National Bank was previously um, when they, uh, they, they... Basically, everyone was betting to see whether the the Swiss franc will break its pack, right? So pretty much the same thing, uh, whether yen will be protected by... The, the, the central bank BOJ in this case um, mm -hmm. and traditionally if you look back in history uh, Japan isn't too keen to intervene uh, through having to do FX purchases so the last time he actually mm -hmm. did that was in uh, 1998 at the height of the fi uh, Asia financial crisis so Typically, uh, ever since like November 2011, it doesn't really care how the yen uh, really function. Um, and I think uh, right now, right now, if you look at it, is that they are using a lot of verbal cues to like tell traders like, hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that, and what's not. They're not extreme like Turkey or anything like that, banning people from trading for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good time to go to Japan soon and I hope the Singapore government let us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the whole, whole yeah. Japanese government yeah. opens up, right? Yeah, like my girlfriend so is already buying question, yen, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, hey, what what what's gonna happen? So what what's happening with the interest rate in yen? I know it's a negative, right? Yep. So and is it decreasing some more? Yep. So uh, so what's happening is that there's always a lagging effect uh, between the US and Japan, right? So uh, right now mm. in US we have the Fed fund rates uh, going way way ahead of everyone, ahead of the curve basically. So in fact. 
yesterday, like, uh, Bullard came out to say, like, hey, you know, a 75 basis point is something that <laughs> yes, we, 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 we can basically expect, yeah, a way to go as well. And then you start seeing equities uh, declining. Um, yeah, so the, the, okay, the like, same thing. Bad. I think we just kind of get used to it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Everyone is pretty much muted to the, 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 yeah, the whole thing, yeah. right? Numb yeah. ready, numb ready. <laughs> yeah. So, so the same thing with Yen. Um, Yen is still uh, watch and hold. Um, for Garuda, Garuda's team, so with, with mm. that, with the widening gap, essentially you you have yen to uh, weaken against the the dollar, <laughs> and on that front itself, if you think about it, um, everyone is just putting bets right now that hey, you know, uh, at some point the the government is gonna have to intervene. They can't keep yen so low forever. So that's what people are betting as well. Um, yeah. And the last, and he, and yeah, I mean, Garuda is not keen. Uh, I know there are people that are saying that uh, like uh, intervention is bound to happen soon because it essentially uh, put the Japanese equity market at risk of going uh, slipping into a, a slight depression as well. Um, so. On that front, like whatever is going to happen is is a question mark, right? And I think one of the few drivers that that caused the yen to have uh, weakened against the dollar is also uh, because of the increase in yen selling pressure due to higher oil prices. So you rather put your money in, um, say, like uh, Canadian dollar or something else that give you a better yield in that sense. <laughs> Basically, commodities-driven currencies, right? And also on the front, like how yen is known as a flight to safety currency. And you, yeah. we, we start getting used to the Fed having to um, raise interest rates. So everyone is more or less muted about it. So risk sentiment is like coming back as well. You start seeing like crypto going a little bit higher. You start seeing equities are rebounding slightly as well. So from that improvement, people are also getting out of yen because there's no point in parking my money there. I can go somewhere else and have a better you as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the only way they can, they can rescue the... Uh, that, that yen is, you know, open up Japan to the rest of the world and tourism will fly <laughs> <in> there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But yeah, I wish they really open up though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah. So, so they, they seem to be getting it. So, uh, okay, so my understanding, right, and, and I don't even know if this is correct, is that they, they have always tried to keep rates low in a sense so to try to stimulate a slowing economy try to induce some inflation you know all of that and and that's kind of been and then because of their economic growth economic stability they're, they're seen as that that currencies have happened right and and with and i think what what seems to me to be happening is that well because the u.s is just going crazy um, over interest rates uh, again for, for whatever reason then then that has made well one that the yen look um unpopular uh, as you say in terms of use and all that and and two you know it, it just kind of means that they are left behind right and because they have that broader you know goal of trying to get inflation done trying to you know stimulate economic growth they cannot follow right essentially they are they're stuck um is that right uh, yep yep that's right yeah so how 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 and I said, I, I thing is how, how would they get themselves out of this hole I think or, one of the, is it that they just let the currency depreciate and, and don't do anything? Um, one of the ways is that, you, like like I mentioned, right, is the you do a direct intervention. You have uh, the BOJ just 
buying yen outright. So the last time they did that was they just buy yen and sell dollar, right? Um, that's one way. But obviously, because if you do that, then uh, there's a lot of people that, that who are those those people that are speculators or betting against uh, betting for this to happen will make a lot of money as well, and yep. you essentially create create a sort of a. Um, you are incentivizing a run on your currency, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, you, are, you are trying to exactly. make people push yeah. you down again and again yeah. so that you come in and buy. Yeah, exactly. So you yeah. you don't want that to happen. Um, and the last time they they actually intervened was really because like they have a huge uh, uh, current account surplus exerted uh, upon <laughs> pressure on the yen, right? But right now, it's not the case anymore. It's more of like a, a slight maybe, I don't know, like the oil prices, um, some resentment, and also mostly just the rate differential, which they can't help it, right? Because they kept rate and negative for so long. Everyone knows that. Um, the, the, the best way to do it, uh, or rather the most gradual way to do it is for the BOJ to raise rates. But to get there, you really have a very long way to go. And so far, the finance ministry is not... Uh, it's just showing that they are not going to intervene, and the market is uh, likely thinking that nothing is going to be done. So they are just, you know, like buy, just buy the yen, right, on on one front, so that at one point, if it gets more expensive, then happy days as well. Yeah. Yep. Right. Well, that, so that's one we... part of Asia macro, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. China had something. So then, then. Then how wait, wait wait just before China then so then we can tell Reggie we go Japan lah holiday yeah yeah I can claim on company uh, expense I, mean, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I claim from Reggie expense uh. yeah, Reggie claim expense. Oh, from Reggie yeah, expense can, uh, why we need to yes. bring the company also in? can also can yeah <laughs> <laughs> also can yeah yeah awesome awesome cool man uh, all right yep now to go back on topic <laughs> we're talking a little bit about China all right China uh, tell us a bit more what's happening with China man yeah so China um I, I guess they did a token uh, twenty five basis point cut in the re- the uh, reserve ratio um on Friday. So yesterday you have mm. the PBOC and SAFE uh, releasing a comprehensive guideline on stepping up policy support to the real economy. So on that front itself, nothing nothing super spectacular. I think um, pretty much what we have talked about as well. I think it's just coming through. Um, so while this whole guideline continues to urge financial institutions to accelerate. Uh, credit extensions and increased lending to property developers, which is not new, of course. Um, it also sent a signal on relaxing restrictions on some form of financing, right? With the PBOC emphasizing uh, meeting reasonable funding demands. Yeah, so from that front itself, you probably potentially see uh, higher uh, infrastructure infrastructure spending coming from uh, China and at the same time it also means that there's going to be fast credit growth and expansionary fiscal policies to help buffer some of this downward pressure on growth and that's the last thing they want right now right because everyone's watching China yeah. at the same time they yeah. they it has implemented a very extreme uh, covid measure right now uh, I, I keep seeing my TikTok and then I keep I, I realize that there's a lot of people that keep talking about the Shanghai lockdown and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah I think on that front itself, emphasis on having to maintain the stability uh, of the Chinese economy is crucial right now. So that's why they are doing this, uh, putting out a paper to tell everybody like, hey, we are going to do it. 
this this is this is it. You know, we 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 care about the long term fundamentals uh, of the economy, and nothing has changed. So they're just stepping on the pedal and said, "Do it," telling all the different banks to just do it. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't know, right? Because because they have been telling the banks to just do it, and and the banks have not been doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the, like I don't think it's just as as, as simple as. Um, having to just do it right because at the end of the day um, <laughs> like the, as much as they are state owned that they, they yeah the banks need to make money yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so they, they, they can't just mm. they can't just give a, a loan to like Evergrande now right it, it, yeah, it's not going to happen exactly. yeah so so, exactly. so if I mean you, you want to save your property market fine but all your property companies are, are not credit worthy you how is a private bank or semi-private bank going to come in and save it? You know, which banker or which head will put their head on line and say, don't worry, I will lend to them. Akong will support me in the end. That might not work, right? Yeah. So, yeah. For sure, for sure. Uh, so that's why, we, which is why the uh, relaxation on these financings are mostly what what they call as a LLGF V, right? Which is basically just stands for local government financing vehicle. Local government, yeah. So it's just a funding mechanism by a local government in China, uh, which exists in the form of an investment company that sells bonds to the bonds market to finance this right. real estate development just solely just that and local infrastructure projects wow. yeah so they I, are I, I feel like we have been through this a few years ago and then a lot yeah. of like this municipal governments went bankrupt and they couldn't be paid yeah, yeah exactly so there was a lot of indebtedness that, that went behind it which is why they tightened yeah. the restrictions and what's not and then now they are doing the reverse because they realised that <laughs> open uh, again they, they, they have to meet the, the funding demand if not uh, all, all of this credit growth who they have take uh, take place at, at the end of the day, right? And they need it. They need it for the growth. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is just juicing numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really just juicing numbers, right? Because you, you, you will get your growth and, and all that and three or four years down the line, you you again go back into, oh no, all my local governments are defaulting on, on bonds. So, yes. yes, please don't go and buy like, you know, Chinese high-yield bonds, um, <laughs> even if they are... Issued by the government because you can you can kind of see what's coming up, right? You you have your your private banks refusing to lend and and that's why they are kind of moving into this quasi private vehicles to to lend and enforce the lending through. Yeah, I mean, in fact, one of the ways to know whether to buy uh high high U bonds in China, I I mean, one of my credit. Uh, trader friend told me this is to look at the amount of attrition rate of these traders right if they start quitting and then, and then it's, it's just a cycle at one point they will leave like bulge brackets and then they will start going into all the different Chinese uh, banks to like you know closer to the markets right you want to be yeah so they will go into that and then later on which is now they are all like quitting and then finding a new job right now yeah <laughs> yeah. and it's all for the big bonus la, in that sense yeah. Yes. Wow. yeah that's your that's your first yeah. first touch to uh, high you China, Chinese bonds yeah fine fine China <laughs> credit spreads yeah yes, then, and then you see okay they are, they are all leaving maybe the market won't do so well now yeah. time to go yeah <laughs> the top is in yeah 
So worry about attrition rates, not about interest rates, lah. In other words, <laughs> no, the, the attrition rates lead to the interest rates, right? So, yeah, so yeah. it's a it's a predictor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's still, it's still all about the interest rates. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It's still all about interest rates. <laughs> yeah. Can't run from there. Yeah. Oh, man, it's it's for me for me like it's just a little. Shocking, right? Uh, we have the US talking the complete opposite, and <laughs> we have we have China now. All of this, right? Now, a question I have, right? And maybe a bit naive to ask this question, but say they don't go into lockdown and they finally open up, right? I know it probably won't happen, but they forget zero COVID, forget the full lockdown, they open up. Mm-hmm. Would these quasi what is this vehicle setup that they are doing? Would all would this still be in play? Or would you know consumption and all of that be a lot higher, and they don't need to worry so much? Well, uh, I think it's still be in play because the the main crux of why they are doing this is really to make sure that there's there's fast credit growth, right? And that cannot can never be achieved by just the retail consumption in that sense. Uh, and a lot of, mm. and they are smart in terms of because they know what projects brings the money, which is your infrastructure spending projects, uh, and all of these, you know. Uh, uh, huge capital-based projects which racks in the, the cash yeah, and, and adds up to the number. I mean, I, I wouldn't say like, oh, they are, they are doing this to inflate their growth number and what's not, right? But at the end of the day, you know, with, mm. with uh, fast credit growth, you also encourage people to sort of invest in your own country. Uh, you have foreign direct investments. Uh, look, it creates better optics for your, for your country as well. And that's the thing that China is trying to go for against the U.S. right now, right? Because you you see that the U.S. typically uh, uses like the the equity markets, uh, the SEC to you know um, get rid of like competitors, uh, like Chinese competitors in particular, out of their markets and what's not. Uh, and it's so easy to weaponize the the USD these days, right? So I think for China, it's like, yeah, as much as possible, I want to do this on my own. I, I want to make sure that it happens. And it's a lot of pride at stake at, at the same time, right? So that, that's why they are doing, they are doing as much as possible to, to try to make all of which happen, yeah. China. China macro feels weird. Like, it, it doesn't feel as clean or, or as impactful as the, the Fed for whatever reason. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's. I think we are just too used to like a structure, like a, a very structural thing where, <laughs> or increased rates, uh, decreased rates, kind of thing, and then you know the rest of the rest of it just follow through. That, that's what we learn in school. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but when it comes to China, I think it's like getting to know a person in that sense. Like you, you really have to read uh, quite a bit, go dive deep into it, and then like try to understand uh, why they do what they do. In that sense, the motive matters a lot more yeah mm. yeah i speak to reggie he's uh he he loves china yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah i think um yeah coconuts out there right i think we do have a china podcast or chinese podcast we have a chinese um, podcast <laughs> chinese podcast uh, but i think we are going to give a lot of china content as well if you do like it slip into our dms let us know uh we'll be more than happy to, to run this for you as well Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for, for a good episode today. Uh, 40 minutes, Anthony, because you know why Jefferson is here. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Coconuts. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you all next week. All right. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Have a good one.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.